0: There you got my story. Just ask a woman. Wow. There you got my story. Troubles, troubles. there you, got my you are listening to Feminist Current. Just I'm Megan Murphy. Earlier this month, Julie Jaman, an eighty-year-old resident of Port Townsend, Washington, was banned from her local community pool. Her crime was to ask a man to leave the female change room. Just moments after she told Clementine Adams to get out of here, she was told by YMCA aquatics manager, Rowan DeLuna, you are discriminating and you can't use the pool anymore, and I'm calling the police. There was no signage indicating women and girls should be prepared to encounter males in their change room, though Julie was later informed that pride posters should indicate as much. Aaron Hawkins, communications manager for the pool, claimed Julie was permanently suspended from the Mountain View pool, I quote, due to her repeatedly violating our code of conduct, specifically using disrespectful words or gestures towards YMCA staff, or using abusive, harassing, and or obscene language or gestures towards YMCA staff or others. None of this is true. I spoke with Julie today from her home in Port Townsend to get the full story. Julie, thank you so much for joining me on the Feminist Current podcast today. I'm really looking forward to talking with you. Thank you. I am curious to know a little bit about your life um how did you become such a a difficult woman
1: <laughs> uh, uh, yes well my mother might have something to say about that but mm-hmm. it, it turns out um that I seem to have had this streak i i think indeed there was a certain culture in my family they were they were always strong activists clear back to my grandparents my Great grandparents, and um, uh, I have I haven't told anybody this, but um, Jack London was my great grandfather, oh, yeah. so you that may inform some of this. Um, so, uh, when I was young, I was taken on union picket lines when unions were trying to form in the forties, and um, th- those were pretty harsh times for sure for people that were trying to organize. When I graduated uh, from the university, uh, even before that, I I was active in certain things. By then we're talking early sixties. There was the Vietnam issue. Then along came all the assassinations. Um, I was registering people to vote. Um, I was um, very active, of course, against the Vietnam war. And, um, Ultimately, about 40 years ago, I moved to Port Townsend, little teeny town, teeny town. And um, I ended up being very active uh, with assisting women concerning um, domestic violence and sexual assault, uh, providing safe havens, and so on. And during those years, finally, this community um, the police, the sheriff, agencies, all became uh, much more informed. We provided um, a lot of education. And we now have a place called the Dove House for Victims of Assault and Violence. Uh, it turns out it's not just women anymore because their forms now say gender. They don't say sex. So now uh, I have been unable to get a call back. From the Dove House, which is what it's called. Um, because I'm interested in their demographic, in their stats, and how they provide shelter for women and children who have most often been assaulted by men in reference to this gender identity. How, how do they, how do they do this? What do they do with men who come in claiming women being women, you know? And I I just can't even imagine it and nobody's talking. Hospital has the same thing. Um and of of course, um the 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 city is not talking either. No nobody is talking about the nitty gritty of this, the implications of allowing men into uh women's dressing and shower areas. And uh the pool wants a wonderful Joyous place for all the years. Um, it, it, you know, I, I found myself thinking about it. You know, water makes this planet sparkle. And um, we humans play in water. We use it in ritual. Of course, we need it to survive. And we dress in the most amazing minimalist costumes to all get into that water together. And we have a grand time doing it until it comes now to the showers. Now we're in a pickle. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting you say that. I also, you know, I've been a swimmer for my whole life. And for a very long time, swimming laps was the only exercise that I did and and I love swimming and I find it very meditative. It's like really amazing exercise. It's so good for your body. It's not there's it's low impact. Um and I actually I don't have access to a, a pool right now where I live and it's very sad so I'm doing other exercise, but I share your love of the pool and I I feel like you know, it must have been such a I I mean you can describe it better than I can you know what 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 is the feeling that you're experiencing now that you you can't go to your local community pool how does that impact
1: you this incident has um caused me uh to do quite a bit of reflection both on my history as being active uh and and certainly turning to my own well being, which has caused me to um find other ways to increase of course practically my exercise um and, and find other ways to um to get the satisfaction and the well being that I need out of um i mostly walking and gardening and um doing a lot of firewood and things that i've always done but um but i do notice that i'm older it is a little more difficult now but uh i sort of um uh feeling uh good about the fact that i have uh made a, a, a very active decision just to do more of what i can do um But I am a person of water, and I truly miss um, the joy of exercising at the pool. I'm I'm very Mm. sad about that. And I find it really reprehensible that the Y has never contacted me, but apparently in their professional administration, they have no means of appealing such decisions made by staffers at individual pools. Staffers in this instance at our pool who appear to me to be very unprofessional. It's right. shocking. So
0: let's go back a little bit actually and talk about what happened that day at the pool. Um, you went for a swim and you went back to the change room
1: Right. Right. I, um, I, I was at my usual swim, uh, in, 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 around 1230 or so. And, um, I find that I'm going once a week, I'm swimming about maybe a quarter mile. And, um, I got out to take my shower, get dressed, go on with my day. And I was in the shower and I heard a man's voice. I was just stunned. I mm-hmm. <laughs> And I looked at our, 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 the dressing room is one big room and it has maybe six or seven, uh, shower heads, gang shower. Um, but um, we put little, um, uh, like shower curtains, uh, to separate them. They billow and blow. So if one wants to look and see, they can, but the, the curtains have worked nicely. Um, nevertheless, I looked, uh, just across on one side of this room, there's a little alcove that has two toilets. And there stood a man uh, in a woman's bathing suit watching a few little girls. I can't tell you an exact number because I was so shocked at this point. But nevertheless, here were little girls pulling down their suits in order to use the toilet. And um, I said to him, do you have a penis? And he said, it is none of your business. And I said, you need to get out of here right now. And then from the from the left side, out of a place that is a staff room with a door, came a person in a red T-shirt, clearly a staff person. And I said to her, get him out of here. And she said, without hesitation, that's discrimination. You're out of here. No more swimming for you. I am calling the cops. That's the way the exchange went. Nothing like, oh, Julie, why, when you're dressed, why don't you come to the office? We'll explain the new policies. Or I can see that you didn't know about our new policies and how they work. Or anything. There's no signage on the door. There's been no information from the Y to patrons or to parents who use Y programs. Nothing. Just if you are shocked by what you see now, you're discriminating. There you go. And the wax says that the, the law that the Y says they're following, that if somebody objects to having penises in the women's dressing room or people who, who are clearly men who want to be in the dressing room, that the person that objects has to seek an alternative if one is available. Well, the Y doesn't provide an alternative at the pool. I have no choice. No signage, no choice, and Mm -hmm. now discrimination. The Y has no way to know what the intention is of those men who want to go into the women's uh, dressing area. Mm -hmm. They could be doing anything in there. It is private in there. This seems to have no impact on any of the administration or any of this city's leadership. Mm -hmm.
0: It's, I mean, it's really baffling how quickly this has become the norm, how quickly this has been accepted, and that it's being enforced, you know, by women on other women and girls. You know, women who, of all people, I think, understand, of course, not that all males are predators, but that the people in this world who are a threat to women and girls are, by and large, men. Um, And, you know, it sounds to me... I don't know. Maybe you have a better sense of this, but it sounds to me like this, um, the, the YMCA aquatics manager, I believe her name is Rowan DeLuna. It sounds like she was sort of ready for a fight.
1: I, I have, uh, there's no way to know this, but I have a sense, some part of me that this was kind of a setup of some sort. Um, what was happening in the pool to one side was a group of kids had come from a, for a program. Uh, maybe they were learning about the etiquette of the pool, and there were two or three red-shirted staff people there. And um, somebody, some staff person, had to say to this man, uh, take these little girls to the bathroom. And uh, that bathroom was in the women's dressing room, not in the man's. They were little girls. I don't know what side of that. But why they sent that man instead of one of the other staff people, obviously a woman, obviously identified as staff, all of those questions do come up. And the fact that he was standing alone instead of two adults, which is what the Y policy requires at uh, with these children's programs, that two staffers go with them. There wasn't. There was just a man with no staff identity of any sort. And this staffer just appeared like on cue. Mm-hmm. N- not, not questioning, not, uh, are you okay? Nothing. Just right out. Very first thing. That's discrimination and you're out of here. Mm-hmm. As if it was a, uh, I mean, it was so, Um, timing was rather amazing Amazing. right
0: yeah and for her to show up and not say what's going on what happened (laughs) what are your concerns or as you say um, let me explain our, or you know this is so and so he works here these are or she whatever they want to call him these are our policies Um, it almost seems like it was a test
1: of some kind (laughs) It does I mean I could? Have, you just brought it up. I thought, oh, what if she has said, "Well, let me introduce you to this." Uh, 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 she'd say, "Woman, mm-hmm. let me introduce you to this woman." I I've been told this um, man's name is was Clem is now Clementine. Mm-hmm. Um, so imagine that me naked in the shower. Oh, hi Clementine! <laughs> 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 I mean, it would have been such a
0: I know, it's oh silly.
1: Ironies, ironies. So. I mean, it,
0: it's like, <laughs> it's so, it's so, it's interesting to talk to someone like you. You know, I talk to a lot of people about this issue of gender identity and trans activism and, um, and the impact on women and girls in particular. Um, but I, it sounds sort of like this was, your first or maybe one of your first introductions to this kind of situation you know this idea that a man is allowed access to these women's spaces you know particularly spaces where women and girls um are are vulnerable in a way is that true
1: absolutely i've never seen it never heard of it before i know that uh, in the big world, uh, there are some incidences, um, and they seem to be p- racking up in numbers. Uh, and of course, I've received phone calls from people who know of other incidences. Um, even close by, over in Port Angeles, a man and his wife were kicked out of the wife, similar reasons. Um, uh, th- this man had been a coach and a Boy Scout, and a, he's a coast guard uh employee and and his wife had been very active and uh, you know real straight people and they were just stunned at what they were seeing at that pool up there also managed by the Y so no my it was my very first experience and my instincts just right now were working Uh, there was no hesitation on my part there was something very unsafe going on and I of course felt totally vulnerable Ah, uh, god what a rude thing to do i'm sorry i'm sorry. yeah ahead.
0: no it's incredibly rude um i'm curious to know did yeah, like you say this port townsend is a really small town did you know rowan deluna or clementine adams
1: prior to any of this oh no i i had no idea i i mostly probably don't keep up with almost anything anymore in the community along those lines. I mean, I write letters to the editor now. Again, I have certain issues I keep up with politically, but um, not the social side of things. A town is full of every kind of make and model, and it is a wonderful place to walk along and see everybody deck the way they, they deck. It's just it's terrific to go have coffee downtown sometimes. I love it. Yeah. but um uh, this this thing the privacy the safety, the dignity of people, oh no no no
0: I mean it's interesting because often this kind of thing is framed as exclusive or as though it's in opposition to um diversity or you know in opposition to um LGBTQ people, which is all lumped in for. Uh, I don't think that all those those identities should be lumped in together. I think that lesbian and gay is quite different than when somebody identifies as the opposite sex, which um, obviously I don't believe is a real thing you can do. But <laughs> um, right, you know, I'm I'm curious to know. Did you know much about this? Debate before all this happened to you at the pool. Were you aware of transactivism and and gender identity ideology and this this fight between you know women and 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 people who want to protect women's spaces versus people who believe in this idea that a man can identify as a woman or vice versa and that therefore they should legally you know legally count as as female
1: well of course i'd never read the rcw's uh, the whack i didn't know anything about the human rights uh commission in, in this state which was by the way the source of the code wherever whoever was writing that for them and they what voted on sorry the washington state human rights commission uh, is okay. the commission that approved the code that got uh, that that is the whack that you now read uh, that the YMCA refers to as following the law. That is gender rather than sex. It essentially eliminated sex as an identity. That's what the law did in Washington State. We, the implications of that for women are huge. Um, I did not keep up uh, in the broad sense of media or reading on any of this transgender thing other than I, I was aware and in fact was in some amount of conversation over what's been happening in schools and particularly uh, shocked at essentially I'll say media news reports of young children, pair uh, beginning to being a uh, encouraged by their parents to take hormones to that will affect their physical growth, mm-hmm. and to the point of teenage people uh, up having operations on their bodies, amputating and it's, uh, uh, shocking, shocking. Uh, uh, it's social. Uh, projects of some sort, I don't know, big pharma, big money things that are imposing themselves into families and onto children. I, I it, it is, to me, it is like an internal genocide of some sort. We are mutilating our children. It is beyond belief that homo sapiens have become perverse toward their children. Uh, it's, It's just breathtaking.
0: It is. It's appalling. I mean, it's these kids' lives are being ruined. And to me, it's like, where are the adults in the room? Because it's adults that are doing this to kids. And in many cases, it's parents who are doing it to their kids
1: it It's so far away from what uh feminists activists all of our all of my life fighting for the rights our abortion rights choice our right to choice of our bodies, even along comes this this uh, big um uh epidemic global pandemic all the stuff they want to apply to it, and again our choice is taken away it's just Non-stop um, invasion into this right to uh, control your own body and make choices over your body. Uh, it, it defies the common sense uh, of of a society that I would choose to live in.
0: It really does, and and that reality becomes even more stark. I think. When, you know, when we talk to and hear from women like you who've been engaged in feminist activism, activism for women's rights, human rights, civil rights, for so long, um, you know, I, I learned about feminism from second wave women, um, and I feel lucky for that because a lot of young women, women younger than me, but, you know, women my age also, I'm 42, um, you know, grew up and learned about feminism within the context of third wave feminism. I don't know if you know much about third wave feminism, but essentially this is it's been within the past, you know, 15, 20 years where feminism has stopped focusing on women and women's rights.
1: Yes. So, so, you know, we could look at the very big uh, picture, the very big, um, I mean, most people don't even want to get into this, but uh, how, who is in charge in this country and what's the agenda? And now, of course, the global agenda. And uh, recently in the reading, um, I have uh, read more than once um, theories offered by people representing uh, the Davos group, uh, the global reset ideas, and so on. A fellow named Harari, I think is how he says his name. And what he and others are offering is that um, the globe has become overpopulated and there are lots by the millions and billions of expendable people and that's just a logical outcome of limited resources uh, limited uh, in this case oil moving to green uh, moving to all these kinds of, uh, of issues not to deny that we have issues around resources how we use them and how we consume but this notion is, is directing toward, uh, the, um, expendables. We don't really need all these people because we're moving into the time, the 21st century time of, um, artificial intelligence. And, um, we just don't have a need for all those workers slaves um, and essentially they're saying they're expendable and in my reading of that I can imagine that females who in fact give birth to people and the populations are therefore expendable and look at this interesting uh, social experiment In gender identity, how men now get to move into what was once women's space, private and safe, uh, on the basis of this thing, inclusion, equality, etc. But Mm -hmm. in fact, it is a kind of, of action that is eliminating, obviously, both the social and physiological needs of the female human. Yeah, and it's
0: it's interesting because it sort of all happened around the same time, you know, as as we talked about earlier around 2015-2016 and it happened with really no public consultation. Um, I actually I just looked up the Washington State Human Rights Commission. This is the frequently asked questions regarding WAC, and gender segregated facilities, um, which says the final rules covering a variety of issues related to sex, sexual orientation and gender identity non-discrimination went into effect in December 2015. The rules include a provision that transgender individuals cannot be required to use a gender, they should be saying sex here, but they're saying gender, a gender segregated facility that is inconsistent with their gender identity. Um, The rules do not give protections to anyone who accesses gender segregated facilities under false pretense. Although of course, how would you know
1: (laughs) what is the false pretense question? How do they know when a man comes into the pool and pays to swim and says, I'm a woman. He doesn't have to say anything. I don't think, but, nevertheless, enters into the women's locker room and then what happens in there? Mm -hmm. The why has no way to know. What is their liability about what happens in there? When they apparently I mean, this is the most confused. You're reading the language, gender this, gender that, and if you can keep up with it, good for you. (laughs) But it's Essentially, it says, anybody more on that whack, which I'm looking at, and it says, uh, concern or discomfort about a person who uses a facility that is consistent with the person's gender expression or gender identity, that the person, me, expressing discomfort should be directed to a separate or gender-neutral facility if available. And if none's available right. either you go in and change with men or you don't get to go swimming. Right. Or And as you
0: say, there's that's not a choice. They're not offering you a choice. So they're okay. essentially telling women and girls, you have to deal with this or you have to leave.
1: Yeah, and no signage either, by the way. Hmm. The okay. um the um CEO, Wendy Bart of the Olympic Peninsula, YMCA, when I called her the day of this uh, ousting, told me she, she used the word, she assumes that pride posters are adequate information for women to know what to expect. That was what she said.
0: That's interesting, actually, because it's completely unreasonable because it, you need to be much more specific if you're going to be telling women, Hey, just so you know, there might be men in your change room. Um, you can't just put up a pride poster and, and act as though that communicates that, that's something that's specific. But also I find it really interesting that they've actually, that they're, you know, they're actually admitting that the pride symbol now symbolizes gender identity ideology you know they're, they're saying out loud really, I don't know if they realize that they're doing this or they don't care or what that 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 symbolism of the pride flag of the word pride um, is it communicates men can be women this is our religion you have to go along with it or you have to leave. That's
1: exactly right. When, um, when this happened, which was on July 26th, I came home and thought about it, and it didn't take me long to realize I was going to do something. And what I did was I created a sign, a picket sign, that said, men who are identifying as women are using the women's shower dressing room. And I created a petition asking the city and the why to provide alternative spaces, to provide signage, and to inform uh, patrons and parents of what to expect. And I further then went to city council and asked for them to get professional training, but we'll go on to, to that. So I went down the next Monday, August 1st, with my picket sign, and there were already four Uh, people dressed in the the rainbows, transgendering, and they were going, I was standing outside. The police department is right next to the gym where the pool is. Um, So I was standing at a corner there, quietly. I just wanted people to sign my petition. I wanted patrons of the pool to know what was going on, that's all. They kept going in and out of the pool, down the hall in, and I could see there were lots of rainbow colors and so on going on. I didn't think much of it. The next day I went back, and now there was a very large crowd. I committed to two hours each day. I was going to do it for a week. I only did it for two days. But a very large crowd of people, again, all decked out in this rainbow, bannering and, of course, very loud heckling. And they were going in and out of the pool entrance area that was decked out in banners and flags and rainbow masks, this place had become headquarters for this transgender group. This pool belongs to the school district. It's leased by the city, and it's managed by the YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association. And yet it had been converted in what appeared to be the headquarters for this movement. Now, who allowed that? I mean, we pay for that. What? That's our pool. <laughs> and yet this ideology it seems to have entangled its way into the YMCA. Again, one might want to stand back and say, what on earth is going on with the YMCA? And I have received calls that there are things going on with this very large uh Christian nonprofit organization with very deep pockets, and of course a lot of cachet. I'm, I'm I would bet you a lot of people are stunned to find out about my experience. I know they are because I have become a terribly un, unlike me starlet in the world. Endless phone calls and emails and support from all over the United States. But at any rate. Here's this why with this some um, apparently this ideology is a very big part of what they're pushing. It yeah, it's
0: it's amazing how successful this movement, this ideology, these activists have been in, in taking over, you know, almost all of our institutions. Um I want to talk about what happened after you were kicked out of the pool? Um, what, what steps did you take after that happened?
1: Well, so I have said the first two days I, I, I made my picket sign and I made my little um, petitions. Just me by myself. I wasn't looking to organize or anything. I was just being me. Uh, on August 1st was a Monday, also a city council meeting. I sent a letter to the city council describing specifically what happened to me. Um, and uh, I will say just in parentheses, very often when I say very clearly over and over, me, I was in a shower naked in a single room where we dress and shower, and there was a man in a women's bathing suit, watching girls. That's the story. It has been converted into bathrooms, into staff members, into, uh, you know, all kinds of things. At any rate, uh, that evening on August 1st, I went to city council to make comment. We are allowed three minutes. And I. Uh, there were a lot of people there, which is unlike the city council, which is In many ways, for many people in this community, not very effective anymore. At any rate, I stood when called three minutes and, um, I told them what uh, had happened to them. I, to me, I reminded them I had sent them a long letter with the description in it. And I specifically, um, requested of them that they do take certain steps that they, that the city manager, uh, and the Y CEO um, get together training with professional people to gain much more sensitive skills and how to handle this incredible situation. That the Y put up very clear signage and inform parents uh, of what to expect, um, that um, the city um, get together. With others in the community, stakeholders and others, adults, intelligent and wise adults, to help refine their policies because obviously the things were not working well. Take note of all the people who are responding to this issue. So, those were the kinds of things I asked for. And I said, and I, my three minutes was up and the the council chambers erupted into applause and I turned around and this room was filled with people who were applauding me. I was, I was just so taken aback. I had no idea. And of course the mayor Faber, pounding on his gavel. We don't allow, you know, you can't act out. You'll be eliminated from the room, you know, so on and so forth. But um, the comments went on for quite a time, both in person and in Zoom. Lots and lots of accusations toward me of bigotry and transphobia and all the rest of it. And um, so, uh, but it was clear to any council person, elected council person, it was clear they had a big issue on their hands. Um, I went away and spent a week uh, getting familiar with people from all over the country and on. Uh, A few days uh, after that, um, Amy Sosa called me and asked me if I would uh, come to a permitted gathering, uh, a press release, and if I would make comment at the press release. And I said, of course. I had decided once I started getting calls and so on that um, I would speak with anybody. I don't care what their persuasion was. I would speak with anybody about what I experienced. Um, and so, of course, lots of sides to lots of political, uh, positions have called me and talked with me. So I did, uh, go on August 15th, uh, about five in the afternoon. My daughter came with me. Um, the place was a park, Pope Marine Park, right across from City Hall. And there were Lots and lots, maybe hundreds of people lined up along in front of City Hall. All the banners, the pride stuff, all. I mean, it was amazing. Um, But on the other side was Pope Marine Park. I walked over there. There were people coming there, men and women. um, And that group was growing. I don't know how large it got, maybe 100 people. And Amy opened up at 530... Uh, welcoming people and uh, making comment uh, it became apparent that um, there was going to be a a some some noise coming from this group across the street who were blocking access to the city council chambers uh, meaning that anybody that wanted to go to the six thirty meeting and comment had to go upstairs and sign in or be on Zoom to sign in. Well, the transgender people had completely blocked that all up. There was nothing but them at the city council and making comment. And downstairs, in the meantime, Amy had invited me to come up and speak. When I got up to the microphone, it was like all these people, hundreds of people came came in from all sides at back like kettling all the people that had come to this permitted event and they created the most ear-splitting cacophony it was impossible to hear anything and it it never ended it was just incredibly jarring this the the sound of this thing and while that was going on People on bicycles, 10 or 15, were riding right through the middle of this group of people that was at this event, uh, knocking people, knocking into me and other people. And while that was going on, there were police in uniform across the street by City Hall, maybe 10 of them, and they were just watching. People that appeared really big men, Tattooed men uh, were weaving in and out of this group at this um, event. They were pushing and shoving people around. To me, as this went on, I got the feeling that some of these men were, were acting like provocateurs. They were trying to get into fights with people. And uh, it also turned out that people that came to this event to hear what uh, speakers had to say were not unfamiliar with this kind of behavior. There were people there that linked arms, that helped to shield me. I was being shoved around. Women were shoved to the ground. Things were stolen. I mean, uh, I, this went on. They they tried to um, sabotage the, the speaker system. Um. Finally, when I was on the microphone, I asked people, please go get the police, get some help. Um, I was told later that people went across the street and that uh, Chief of Police Olson told people that they were simply following directives that they had received. That means that the city manager had sent out directives to stand down. To not come across the street or help us, even though they could see what was happening. So that is a very interesting aspect of this. And um, finally, the police did, along with the highway patrol, showed up um, and they came across. And they began. They some of them were uh, stepped on and shoved around. They began arresting. They I guess they arrested two or three people. They made a cordon so that I could be escorted away safely around the behind this building. And uh, as I was go- going along, this here was this Chief Olson again. And I stepped up to him because uh, the report that had been made of the incident on July 26th by Mark Titterness, a policeman, had an inaccuracy in it. And I had been trying over the week to get hold of somebody at the police department, um, including this Mark Titterness. They never returned my call. So I approached Chief Olson as I was passing by, and I asked him uh, how I was to get a correction on a report. And he said, well, why don't you come to my office tomorrow? At eight. And I, I said, to him, your office doors do not open till 10. Oh, oh, he said, well, come at 10. And I said, okay, I will. And I did. And I was told by the person in the front office, well, Chief Olson isn't here. He's on two days of vacation, personal time. <laughs> But he invited me here. Oh, I'm so sorry, she said, but here's his cell phone number. Well, I returned home uh, on Tuesday that day, and I did, in fact, receive a call from him hours later, and we had a long conversation. And I was very concerned about the bicycles. He said, well, from across the street, I could see a passage for them to get through this group. But Chief Olson, you would never allow bicycle riders on the sidewalks of Port Townsend like that. Why were you allowing that to happen? Well, it looked... He repeated himself. He went on like that. Um, He finally said, uh, well, we had directives. Um, We thought it was... uh, We thought everybody should have the right to free speech. Um, Everybody there they uh, had the right to express themselves. he was using stuff like that. So that's not what was going on. We were being attacked. Well, we I didn't have enough men. I don't have enough money. I didn't have enough time to plan all of that all of that was so um my belief is that um, the city manager moral. Uh, very savvy about PR and, um, how, how, how his style of management, which he tells council is very ambitious. He has his own, his own ideas of how to manage. He's new to this city. He's only been a manager for a little over a year. Um, and there's issues around him and how he identifies himself as in terms of his experience and so on. Nevertheless, I believe that uh, he is very much managing this incident and how it appears uh, to the public and how the city stands up, including uh, he brought to them a proclamation on that day that we were down there at City Hall. Um, and uh he in in preparing this proclamation he had a public meeting um with uh, a few city council people and a few other people that chose to come to um to this meeting he had told um he had told the police chief i believe to come to that meeting because he was afraid there was going to be some sort of incident. So all 10, well, maybe nine police, we have a total of 10, were at this public meeting in the afternoon where Manager Morrow told them he had either seen or had documentation of multiple infractions on my part at the city pool, multiple infractions so since that day of being told to get out the charges of me have grown and grown i have been accused of vulgar, using vulgar language of verbal abuse of touching patrons of screaming at patrons and staff of uh, uh i don't know, abusing staff i mean endless Accusations have been made, I believe, by this um, manager at the pool, um, uh, Rowan DeLuna. Now, she is a whole nother story that people are pursuing, but, shh, but it's a story. At any rate, so multiple accusations, and that's what the manager told all the people sitting there, all nine of them, and including all these police. So on August 15th, the police were all over at City Hall to protect the transgendered people who have been threatened and uh, so on and so forth. While across the street, the transgender people with their supporters are in fact attacking and uh, abusing and assaulting. This is what's the reality. That was that was on August 15th, the the flipping of reality. That's what I experienced (sighs) that day.
0: Yeah. I mean, people are simply not doing their jobs and it sounds like this is all a political and ideological um, situation. I mean, I was just reading about the, the mayor of Port Townsend today um and it does sound like his political inclinations his his ideologies might be having a, a notable impact on on what's going on with this situation and how it's being dealt with what do you know about the the mayor
1: i only know the things people have sent me of his twitter comments and his responses i of course uh, on August 1st, when I went to the council, the mayor and the city manager both used their positions to lecture the people in the room uh, being uh, uh, a homophobic and uh, discriminating and transgender people have rights and we're all behind them and all that kind of thing in their professional positions sitting there in a public meeting they had they had no inclination to identify that there was a problem that there should be uh the city council should get together a committee we should review our policies and our staff training this is obviously very sensitive none of that none of that went on and then on the 15th there's a proclamation and um Their proclamation, in fact, let's see if I can find this here. Um, It says, The city of Port Townsend values our transgender residents and visitors and urges all residents and visitors to be respectful and welcoming and kind to everybody, everyone, regardless of gender identity. And I further, the mayor, proclaim that discrimination and prejudice in any form, um, uh, particularly against transgender people, are unwelcome and have no place in the city of Port Townsend. That was what they voted on while we were being attacked by the same people across the street. So that's our city council and our mayor, and I gather he is at least in his Twitter re- remarks, I don't keep up with Facebook uh, that social media thing, but to my read, he is sounding uh, infantile. Mm-hmm. He does not sound like an adult leader. <laughs> I just can't believe this is this is what is running this town um. At any rate, that's the best I know about it, only as secondhand.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't follow Twitter super closely either. I was actually banned from Twitter permanently in 2018 for saying that men um, aren't women. But uh, <laughs> I do I do know I've been reading online that you know the mayor the mayor came out in in pretty vocal support of the protesters and in opposition to you and and the women who were supporting you righto i guess i'm wondering what What's next for you? Do you have anything um, planned in terms of, of actions in terms of in terms of your fight? I mean, really, to, to regain access to your community pool, but also, this is a fight, of course, about women's rights and, and women and girls spaces and, and a fight for reality and to be able to speak about reality.
1: Well, I, attorneys are involved. Um, I have an attorney who has written to the city council. My, my biggest issue is I'd like to see the documentation of all these accusations. Of course, I realize it's possible to, uh, create, um, fraudulent documents these days. But at any rate, I am asking for the documentation. Um, and, uh, I haven't asked personally, but people have asked that I be reinstated. Um, it would be nice to get an apology. They they failed miserably as professionals with such an important responsibility um, as a public pool. It is just s- stunning. They have uh, the Y has uh, doubled down. I'm under the impression they have lots of deep pocket and a lot of backing, and so I'm guessing this is not an isolated event. It's happening in states that have passed these kinds of laws. Therefore, they are likely preparing for legal battles. I don't know this. Um, I, I have personally received tremendous amounts of support from around the country and offers of a lot of legal assistance, of course, the Christian right has uh taken hold of this, and I can understand why uh, uh but I am not uh, an ideologue, and I do not uh, uh represent any kind of ideology. I represent myself and my experience and i I think uh, I know that female humans women, have the right to safety and privacy in dressing and shower areas. And for me, nothing less is acceptable.
0: Thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate your time. Um, I really, um, enjoyed talking with you. I really appreciate your, uh, your forthrightness and your, your courage. And, um, I hope that we can talk again or meet someday.
1: Surely. If you ever get to Port Townsend, maybe you'll want to go swimming. Oh, well, you can have an experience.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you so
0: much, Megan. Okay, take care. Good luck. You too. Bye bye. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. You can find us online at feministcurrent.com. Tweet at us at feministcurrent.com. Or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libson and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Spotify, and beyond. You can even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Feminist Current is produced and hosted by myself, Megan Murphy. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please consider making a donation to support our work. Just visit FeministCurrent.com and click the donate button.